0: Welcome, everyone, to the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined again today, as always, by my good friend and gambling guru, Mr. Chad Ford. Chad, how we doing this morning, brother? I'm doing great, bud. Getting ready for the Masters weekend. It is Masters weekend. So we're recording this here on Thursday morning. And uh, I think, what, five or six golfers got to tee off essentially, or I should say th- th- three or four groups, I think, uh, early this morning. And then the, uh, the, the, the rain came down and so it's currently suspended and so Chad and I we're going to make some picks on the Masters here uh, from a betting standpoint a little bit later in the pod so so just so our listeners know you know no no harm no foul right so it's not like we're recording this on Friday evening Chad. Where we're half the rounds over with right so so we're we're right at the beginning <laughs> yeah, and uh, give it got, us a little reprieve here <laughs> that's right that's right so uh, it looks like the weather there in Augusta is going to clear up around lunchtime so but uh, yeah kind of a, a tough break right so we, we've been looking for it uh, uh, looking forward to it for the last few weeks and then to um, get a few golf golfers out on the course, and then the, uh, the, the heavens part on them, and uh, uh, we're going to have to wait a few more hours, it looks like, but well, we'll Chad, before we start talking about Masters, we got NBA talk, we got uh, MLB, we got some postseason awards, all kinds of fun stuff to talk about on the pod today, but before we do that, as always, got to show some love uh, to our sponsor, and of course, that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Chad Ben and his entire team over at Chalk do an amazing job, and our listeners can follow them all on the web at chalkokc.com or on fo- uh, follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. Again, in my opinion, it's the closest thing to a Vegas sportsbook you're going to find in Oklahoma, and the food just can't be beat. Always the favorite. That's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar, which well, had you know you and I were big NBA fans. You definitely, and we've had some some big news here over the last couple of days on the NBA. Kind of before we get into football and, and golf and uh, all that fun stuff. But got to talk about our Oklahoma City Thunder man. So they finally make a decision. They promote internally, young guy, right, 35 years old, assistant Mark Degnault, uh, to take over the reins of a young and uh, a talented, uh, but uh, maybe maybe inexperienced uh, Oklahoma City Thunder squad. Uh, but your thoughts on this move and uh, what, what can we expect from the Thunder uh, going into this 2020-2021 campaign?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly I think it makes a whole lot of sense. You know, the Thunder are a pretty private organization, and they promote from within all all good and well. And Sam Pristy keeps everything kind of close to the vest. I mean, you're talking about a roster that is it's not going to be exploded, right? But it is going to be hey, we're going to shed the the veteran guys. We're gonna we're gonna start growing our young talent that we've got. Build it around uh, Shea Gilchrist Alexander. Um, I, I think it's the right move, and, and there's no veteran coach. You know, you're not going and getting a Mark D'Antoni with this roster as it is. You know, it, those, those veteran coaches and those big-name splashes want a decent little roster there before they jump, and any, any good college coach would have wanted a decent chance to win roster. Um, not saying that the Thunder won't be good, but I think everybody knows that the direction they're going is shedding CP3. They're probably going to shed uh, Gallinari. I would imagine them trying to move Steven Adams, if anybody will take on that contract. Um, and they're going to build with their young core. Uh, the, the other interesting thing that we've, we keep hearing is thunder possibly making some moves in the draft. Uh, yeah, Sam Presti might've fallen in love with a prospect, you know, uh, as we were talking about yesterday, Keith, you know, when in, in NBA first round picks, they're not as, they're not as valuable as NFL. You know, you get, you get on down five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Um, after that, it's all a crapshoot, and so the Thunder have built, I think it's eight, 1st fifteen first-round picks over the next seven or eight years. And really, what do those amount to if
0: they're all anywhere right. from the twenties or 25. something? Yeah, yep, exactly, yeah. late first round. Yeah, yeah. Now, and you you mentioned you know kind of shedding some of the more experienced stars in salary cap. You know, uh, the news is is kind of you know trending out there right now that the Thunder may be in talks to move. Chris Paul out west of uh, the Suns sound like a leading candidate there. And so, you know, you think about that Suns roster, right, with Devin Booker and uh, uh, his ability to score from the two-guard position. And the, uh, oh, the, the big kid, the center, right, that they drafted out of uh, Arizona uh, a couple years ago. So a, a squad there that has some young talent. But, you know, your thoughts uh, on on how CP3 might fit in with Phoenix out there, Chad?
1: I think he'd fit in pretty well. You know, if, as we watch Phoenix um... – at the end of, uh, of the bubble, you know, they had mathematically, I think it was like less than a 1% chance, but they were, they were within the realm and that's why they were invited to the bubble, but they go eight. Yeah. zero. they, they worked their tails off in the bubble trying to, to get in that spot. And the, the final spot eventually went to, um, you know, uh, the went to the Grizzlies and, uh, Portland, the trailblazers, who both played well in the bubble. I think he, CP3 might fit in pretty well there. If you've got Devin Booker that you can now shed and play off the two, and then you've got uh, DeAndre Ayton there, uh, maybe they're ripe for putting a veteran-led squad and being um, a force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference. I, I think for Phoenix, you kind of have to make the move. They've got uh, so much down the pipe that's coming with you know their new arena, their new practice facility, and all that good stuff, and. You got to make a big move like that to compete out West. I mean, you're, you're competing against the Lakers, you're competing against the Clippers, and you're going to be competing against Golden State. So basically the entire state of California is looking really good right now in uh, basketball.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned it, you know, they uh, we're looking at some futures picks or futures odds right now on the NBA championship for 2021 and and you're right. I mean, three of the top four squads, right, all reside in the state of California. So Lakers and Clips, uh, obviously not a shock there, the two favorites right now. Lakers at plus 325, Clips at plus 500 550 depending upon the book. Uh Golden State at 650. Uh, Bucks are, are the, uh, the lone team, or the highest team, I guess, from the East, if you want to call it that way, at 6-1 to one with the Nets and Celtics uh, uh, kind of right there behind. But uh, Miami Heat, 15-1, to one, Chad. So, I mean, you know, obviously they made it to the finals uh, this past uh, season and down in yep. the bubble. And so, you know, a team that we really kind of fell in love with, kind of the way that they played and the way that that team was constructed together. But, you know, looking at these odds here, you know, does anybody kind of stand out to you? You know, obviously it's putting you on the spot here. It's mid-November before, <laughs> before the seasons even began. But yeah, come on, Chad, tell our listeners who's going to win it next June, dude. (laughs) So it's easy, easy question, man.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, with the shortened off season, I mean, you, you really are looking at someone like a Miami heat that the roster is going to pretty much stay the same as it is. Um, those teams that have to do high turnover, uh, like a thunder, I would, I would fade pretty quickly just for the fact of, uh, there's going to be so many reports and they're going to have to, you know, get in with them and, Um, get into training camp and have the the shortened season go. So they're going to fade down the stretch. You know, even a team like the Brooklyn Nets with the star power that they're going to have coming back, they're still going to take, you know, a lot of time to get used to one another uh, playing the game. And, you know, it's going to be 72 games and and all that. But where it really affects them is the first half of the year, they're just going to be learning and that'll affect seeding coming down the line. You know, do you want to have to go to Milwaukee and play a seven game series in Milwaukee? Do you want to have to go to Miami and play a seven game series? But um, I look at a team like the Celtics, we're both in love with the Celtics. They just have so much talent. Um, Will they stay kind of cat status quo or will they quote unquote, fix what ails them try to at least, or just, uh, Hey, go with their, their guys again and see if they can get back up to the heap because they were, they're pretty close there. Um, I look at a team like the Denver Nuggets too. I mean, they surprise, they're a year older. um, They've got a little bit more experience and Djokovic, man, he's just, that guy's almost in, uh, you know, unguardable. And you know if if they can figure it out with the young squad, maybe add a piece or two here or there, that would be a team I would be t- terrified of.
0: Yeah, and the, the Murray kid right in the bubble just really kind of came oh, on and yeah. just was un, unguardable. And uh, yeah, I mean he, he was he was they were really a fun team to watch. And you mentioned you know, they they kind of fly under the radar for whatever reason the last couple seasons. You know they've been a two seed, a three seed. You know kind of had you know been up there you know near uh, the uh, the best record in the West in a regular season standpoint. And again, seems like a squad that might might be ready to get over that hump. And so, yeah, 25 to one, probably not uh, not bad odds. The Sixers there are kind of intriguing to me, right, with that experiment uh, that uh, Doc Rivers is going to come in at 25 to one. Uh, and, and you mentioned it right. So we, we've—I've been a Celtics fan for our, you know pretty much my entire adult life, I guess, or maybe even going back to the teen, uh, my teenage years. But uh, I love that squad at fourteen to one, with Tatum and the talent that they have there. And you know, can they get healthy again? Get all the pieces back? And uh, I think that they can make a run in the East as well. But uh, yeah, our Thunder eighty to one right now, Chad. And So I, I'm kind of with you. I think the roster that uh, the, that the Thunder currently have here on November twelfth probably isn't going to be the roster that they start with come December 22nd, right? And you mentioned, you know, 72-game season, so it seems like the um, players' union in the uh, – uh, ownership has come to an agreement there. The season's going to kick off uh, December 22nd, 72 games, and the salary cap is going to essentially stay static, uh, at least for, for, the, for the next season. So uh, I know that was a big deal with the luxury tax and some of the issues. And, and obviously, you know, the NBA, uh, it's been no secret. They, they've been kind of hit um, with, the, uh, with the COVID issues uh, from a revenue generation standpoint. So I think they were able to come to an agreement there and we should have basketball on Christmas Day. Uh, it seems like uh, as we've we've had in the past years. So so looking forward to that. And again, kind of really looking forward to seeing what what our thunder is going to look like with the uh, uh, new look. Uh, and, and obviously, going to going to have some new faces. I think uh, in before the start of the season there. But um, well, well Chet, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about some college football, and at least one big game in particular that uh, that took place this weekend uh, in, in a game that uh, that you and I talked a lot about uh, last week on the pod, but, but Notre Dame and Clemson. A, man, kind of a, one of those instant classics, dude. So uh, a 47-40 in double overtime. Just, just a, a tremendous game. You know, I saw a lot, a lot of the tweets and a lot of the news Saturday night was, "Hey, hurry up and get this game over with." We got Dave Chappelle hosting Saturday Night Live. <laughs> we kind of want to watch that, which I did. I stayed up and watched that, and it, it was yeah. pretty good. So Chappelle never disappoints. Uh, pretty uh, 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 tremendous uh, comedian there, and, and especially in that format. But you know, got to talk a little bit about you know Notre Dame, Clemson. Again, Clemson was out t- without Trevor Lawrence, but the uh, 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 my guy in our fantasy league. So Chad and i have been in a college fantasy league for a long time. DJ Ui Ungalele. Uh, they didn't really miss a beat in regards to offensive production, but uh, the the Fighting Irish put forty seven up in a huge win for that that program. It seems like Notre Dame's been on the cusp. They kind of needed one of these, right, Chad?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. They've been on the cusp for a while, and you know they've kind of you know not to put down, but um, they've been a lot like an OU. Like they've always they've done well in the regular season, and then they have just disappointed on the national stage, whether it's 30 to three beat down in the college football playoff and all that, or, you know, going to the national title game and getting destroyed by Alabama. Alabama, Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, Brian Kelly has done a tremendous job at Notre Dame and um, Colin Coward always talks about it. He thinks he's probably one of the best coaches in the country because I mean, it's almost impossible to recruit at Notre Dame for one, they've just kind of stayed, in their, in their beliefs and their haunches of they're an academic school and, and all that. And honestly, before Brian Kelly got there, they weren't that innovative from what they were doing in the 80s and 90s. And all these teams were coming up with innovation and um, even different different uniforms of what to wear for some of these guys, like recognizing that the the generation now wants to look fly, yeah, I saying, wants the sh- to look cool. Shamrock series, playing. right? Yeah, is what they call right. those
0: unis. Yeah, kind of some wild yep. unis. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the Oregon duck mentality and how they rose back to being a powerhouse program, but they did need one of these, one of these games. And I, I am extremely, extremely impressed by Notre Dame, but I think I was more disappointed in Clemson's defense on this stage. Cause you're right. The quarterback issue wasn't the play with Clemson. They put up 40, they put up enough to win, especially there in the second half coming back from down 10, um, but really, like, on, on the defensive side of the ball, you've got some big old cats down there at Clemson, and I just can't believe that they let Notre Dame hang 47 on them um, in, in this game. So that that it was more bigger disappointment in Clemson's defense than it was a, a testament to how good Notre Dame is to me. But I still think Notre Dame is – you know, now they're one of the top two or three teams of the nation, in my opinion. But I was, I was kind of down on them before this yep. game.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and, you know, that's that was a, what we called on the pod last week. I think you and I both like Notre Dame. In uh, both, like the over here, we expected some points. And, you know, and it, it is interesting. You know, the two games that uh, Uyunglele played uh, for Trevor Lawrence while he was recovering from COVID. I mean, he put up tremendous stats. They put up a lot of points, and it was really the defense kind of falling falling asleep uh, early in in kind of you know digging themselves into a hole a little bit. And maybe part of that too was having the young quarterback. You know, maybe a little bit more of a conservative offensive scheme going into it until he got comfortable. But man, once they uh, they kind of turned that uh, uh, DJ loose, I mean, they were throwing the ball all over the place. And in credit to Notre Dame, I mean they essentially said, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna make this young freshman beat us and if he can do it, you know, good for them. We're not gonna let Travis Etienne beat us. And so they really kind of clamped down on Etienne, but I mean hell the kid almost did it. And yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I think there are questions on the back end, I think, for that Clemson defense right now to where maybe they're not quite as good uh, at the linebacking crew in in the defensive backfield, there I think the yeah. defensive line's still pretty stout, but you know they've had a lot of injuries as well as as most teams have had in this weird yeah. yeah COVID year. Not 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 necessarily an excuse, but the the Skalski kid, the middle linebacker, has been out for a few weeks now. Um, I think he had a uh, oh a, a hernia issue or something. I think is what his issue was, but he should be coming back later on. But I don't think there's any doubt yet. I think these two teams square off again in the ACC championship. So I think we're going to see this again next month, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um I, I don't see who's who's jumping ahead of Clemson or Notre Dame uh in this regard, but yeah, I think I think we'll see a rematch of this and it'll be a must win for clemson and it all it could end up being one of those to where if notre dame loses a tight game both of them are still going to go to the playoff
0: yeah kind of a worst case scenario for sec fans probably right yeah. so is that well clemson's got the out with the trevor lawrence being out due to covid and that was their one yep. loss and they come back and avenge that loss in a close acc championship over notre dame and both those teams get in so they're already uh, the sec goombas are already bitching about it down there in sec yep. we're, we're talking about the <laughs> the uh, uh, sec uh you know ha- they're having some issues with COVID, man. I think four of the seven games are scheduled this weekend have already been postponed. And, uh, you know, hoping, I mean, across the country, those numbers are kind of, you know, trending in the wrong direction, unfortunately. But, uh, yep. you know, we saw the Big Ten, you know, Ohio State and Maryland, it's been canceled now. because Obviously, they can't postpone because they uh, have such a tight window. So, that game's going to fall off the board now for Ohio State. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, hoping, hoping that they can get things turned around there. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look so hot uh, from that standpoint. But, uh, well, what, what talk, let's talk a little bit about baseball, man. So we had some of the postseason awards that have been announced here over the last couple of days. We'll have the AL MVP and NL MVP actually get announced later today here on November 12th, but um, Rookie of the Year awards, a unanimous selection, Kyle Lewis, uh, for the Mariners uh, there in the AL, uh, Devin Williams uh, for the, um, uh, I think it's the Brewers, right? So uh, they're in the NL. Yep. Um, we have the Managers of the Year, Kevin Cash for uh, the Rays, which I know a lot of people raised an eyebrow there given how the, the World Series turned out, but it is a it yep. is a regular season award, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, the, the old guard, Don Mattingly, uh, uh, wins his uh, uh, Manager of the Year in the NL for what he did for the Marlins and then uh, just posted last night, uh, the Cy Young Award winners, the uh, Indian Shane Beaver, uh, Bieber, uh unanimous choice there, and then a uh, Trevor Bauer for the Reds. But uh, anything stand out to you from some of these picks? You know, we we were kind of looking at the odds as to as to how some of these things had trended, kind of you know leading up to it. But deserving winners, I guess, across the board.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, and Trevor uh, Trevor Bauer was probably the best pitcher in baseball uh, last year. And it was was a shortened season and all that. But the guy came out just absolutely on fire um, and continued to hold kind of throughout the the whole, um, not bubble concept, but shortened season. Um, I'm real happy for Don Mattingly and Derek Jeter. Like, you know, two Yankees going down there and, you know, helping turn the Marlins around. They were probably the... You know, talk about a wild ride of a season of, you know, they start out with, you know, just COVID outbreak. And I think they had to postpone. It was like 17 or 19 games to begin the year and then coming back, making the playoffs. Uh, That's a fun story. Uh, Kyle Lewis being named unanimous AL. On the um, rookie of the year was a little bit surprising to me, not in the sense that it was Kyle Lewis, but it was unanimous. I to kind of thought Louis Robert uh, there with the Chicago White Sox might have gotten a little bit more love. Um, but uh, then again, I mean, Kyle Lewis is absolutely a uh, deserving candidate. I just I was surprised to see that he was absolutely unanimous.
0: Yeah, and even you know over the last you know the month of September, I guess, kind of looking at the, how the odds were trending, you know, Kyle Lewis, you still could have got him at you know three to one, you know, plus three hundred. Yeah. You know, he he and Lewis Roberts were were essentially a neck and neck, you know, all the way down yep. the stretch, and so yeah, the fact that it did turn out to be unanimous, I think, was a little bit surprising on that front. Again, uh, great player, great young player. Uh, you know, uh, had a, had a tremendous uh, season there. Uh, you know. Average Averaged uh, uh, 262, 11 homers, uh, 37 runs, and uh, uh, 34 walks. So I was able to get on base and kind of make some moves there uh, for the for the Mariners. But yeah, somewhat surprising. And again, you know, I saw a lot of a uh, lot of tweets, a lot of uh, <laughs> comments about Kevin Cash uh, winning AL Manager of the Year. But again, leading that Rays <laughs> squad <laughs> yeah. through the regular season, the best best record in baseball. And again, you and I we talked about it during our, our picks during the playoffs. It's like, well, I mean, the Yankees are probably going to get them right. So they they had a great regular season, but you know that lineup for the Yankees, but were able to navigate. navigate. Navigate that, and then make it a competitive World Series uh, with the uh, with the Dodgers. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate that you know the last thing for this twenty twenty season that people are going to remember was uh, was some of Cash's uh, decisions there uh, uh, with the uh, uh, his pitching and stuff. But um, yeah, but I I think still probably uh, uh, an overall deserved winner uh, there in the AL. Uh, on a regular season basis, but uh, yeah, uh, fun fun to see it again. We'll we'll keep our eyes on the MVPs uh, that will be announced later today. Again, the AL we got uh, uh, Joe, uh, Jose Abreu with the White Sox, DJ LeMahieu from the Yankees, uh, Ramirez for the Indians, and then for the NL side, you got Mookie Betts from the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman from the Braves, and Manny Machado for the Padres. Um, who who do you who are you thinking, Chad? So who who stands out to I, you from those?
1: I think Mookie Betts is a runaway favorite on this. Uh, I think. If they do give it to someone else, they might give it to Freddie Freeman just because he, he did have a really good uh, regular season, I guess you would say. And let's be honest, Mookie kind of gets lost in that lineup um, for the Dodgers. There's just a, there's just a lot of votes that could go around there. So I could see Freddie Freeman winning it, but I still think Mookie Betts is the best player. Um, Jose Abreu, DJ LeBehu, and H- Jose Ramirez. Um, I, I would like to see Abreu get it. He's a great young player. Um, I mean, he's not as young as what he used to be, but I want to say five or six years ago when he was a rookie, he was a great young player and he had a good regular season. No one really stood out to me too much on the AL MVP side. Um, LeMahieu just maybe because he stayed he was one of the only Yankees to stay healthy. He's kind of been that perennial, hey, we still have a good lineup. We're going to get some wins. And I'm probably the most consistent player in that lineup. Um, if I'm building a team, it's probably starting with Jose Ramirez in the Indians. But I don't think he had as good a regular season um, to get up there. And I was surprised that Mike Trout, again, wasn't named a finalist. He kind of had a pretty, what I would call an average year for him. But it was still, it's still, still pretty good. Of one at the top. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And again, he's seasons out there.
0: He's kind of a forgotten man playing for the Angels yeah. out there. They've just been so bad the last last few seasons that yeah. uh, all and he all suffers the tremendous... from
1: LeBron. You know, yeah. Yeah. you know, fatigue. Right? Mm-hmm. He's just the best player. Everybody knows it, and so yeah. you know, nobody wants to vote for him.
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that and uh, follow that later today and see see who comes out uh, for the MVPs in the AL and NL and uh, look forward to. I mean, hot stove. It's it's going to be starting back. Right, pitchers and catchers will be reporting before we know it, Chad. So baseball will yep. be here again. But uh, well, let's move on. Talk a little bit about the NFL before we get into making picks this week, Chad. So we're essentially at the halfway halfway point. I I, I, was, I should say um, of the NFL season. And so you know, kind of taking a look at the standings here. You know, I, I guess I, I've got it on the board there as the who's good and who's not. And, and maybe you know, it's it's that's not the right way to phrase it. But you know, if if we're at the halfway point, you know, we're looking at the NFC, looking at the. AFC, you know, who stands out to you uh, from, you know, a a standpoint as to who who do you think is going to end up in the Super Bowl, and then who might be a little further down the list that might make a run here during the back half of the season, Chad?
1: Yeah, uh, so looking at the AFC, so uh, obviously the overwhelming frame, but it's probably still the Kansas City Chiefs. They've just been consistent. I know they had that one hiccup, but at the end of the day, like there's nothing on that team that concerns me like it's they win a super bowl and they start the year 8 and 1. I don't think you could ask for anything more than that. They they haven't shown any super bowl hangover or anything like that. Um AFC what team probably do we think is looking like a Tennessee Titans like could sneak into the playoff and then all of a sudden you're talking about them making a run to the AFC championship. Um a team I look at honestly is probably the Raiders. I think they're actually pretty good. I like Derek Carr as a player. They're hungry, you know. They're it's it's third year of of Gruden, and it seems like he's uh ah, starting to turn a little bit of a corner there on being outside middle of the pack. They've been a tough out. Anybody that's played them, I think the only one that's kind of beat them down was the Buccaneers and. The Bucks kind of gone on a roll, but every everything else they've been pretty competitive. So they've got a good running game, they've got a good quarterback, they've got uh, you know Waller out there at tight end. That yeah, he's a matchup as, nightmare. Oh, yeah, yeah. he is a matchup nightmare for anybody. So if there's anybody that could sneak and get one, um, you know, the Raiders are the team that beat the Chiefs. So I I would sit there and say that's a middle of the road pack. Um, I honestly think that I would start fading the Steelers um here you know they're they're eight 0 i get it but you know big ben's showing some he's showing some wear and tear um that defense is really good but i mean that running game with james Conner. i'm not gonna say he's a top 10 back in the nfl and um you know you've got juju smith schuster on the outside which again i don't think he's a top 10 wide receiver he's a he's a good wide receiver Um, But I don't think he's a top 10 talent. I think, you know, just like we saw them against the Cowboys I think they can lay an egg pretty easily
0: yeah and it's it's interesting too as those teams you know go further into the season we see it every year you know as to whoever that last team standing is you know the pressure kind of continues to mount on them it feels like from that undefeated side of it in which yeah. you know they I think the Steelers have uh, have the Bengals coming up here in their next game and, and the schedule looks relatively manageable as you project out for the last eight games but you know yeah I I think you know and we, we even talked about it with Butter on the on the Fantasy Fessionals football podcast you know like hey you know they're eight and zero. They're halfway there. You know is this a, is this a team that has a chance to maybe make a run at that undefeated season? And, and I think he was you know absolutely not right. So there's there's going to be yeah. they're going to drop one probably probably not even the one we think right. So it's not going to be against the Ravens. No. It's going to be one that they they probably should have won. And we almost saw it this weekend against our hapless Cowboys or my hapless Cowboys, I guess, uh, <laughs> to where Garrett Gilbert back there at quarterback and uh, yeah. uh, had a chance to win that thing, but uh, a wild finish there. But I, I'm with you. I, I think yeah. I think it's probably the Chiefs and, and think, yeah that Raider squad. I, I'm with you, man. I like that team
1: they're 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 up there they, they got a mentally tough team so th- they'll be a tough out for sure they might be a year or two away um nfc it's more wide open i'm excited to see how this one comes out i still think maybe seattle might be the favorite in this thing but you can't fade the packers you can't fade the saints after last week they they come up and bit the, the where Buccaneers. did that come
0: from yeah that was a wild I result i man. was just
1: like whoa um the Cardinals, I don't think they laid a, an egg against Miami, but uh, you know they they showed that they're not as good as what have they have they crossed that hump. Right. Um, the Rams are still sitting there. Um, I I'd fade the Bears pretty hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know they I think they started at you know something they were like five and one and yeah five, five and, two and one or four and four. one yeah 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 um, and then whoever's coming out of the East. it I still think it's going to be the Eagles. I think they have a game and a half lead as it is, or a one game lead over Washington and Dallas, but God, that, that division just awful. And if you're, if you're talking about the NFL gods, like you could see a team like Philadelphia making a run, they've got weapons and it's who everybody chose in the, the first half of the year. It's just, they've never put it all together. And, you know, could Wentz put it together by the end of the time, or are they going to look at it and be like, man, do we need to move on from Carson Wentz here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's going to be interesting to see what the win- winning record is for that NFC w- uh, East oh. uh, divisional winner because if you look at Philly's schedule down the stretch to have the back half, and it's not easy. I mean, you you, no. you have you have the games against the divisional rivals in there that you, you would expect them to uh, probably win, but man, I, I think you know six nine and one is probably or seven eight and one. You know, I think they're yeah. going to be sub five hundred when it's all said and done, but it's probably going to be good enough to host a playoff game uh, again. Uh, just uh, just a wild. Scenario there, but I, I'm with you. that that Saints and Bucks. Not I wasn't shocked that the Saints won the game, Chad. But the manner, I mean, was it, it was 38 nothing at one point or something, right? So yeah. 35. I mean, it was just an ass kicking from it the get It was a something. beat
1: down from the start, yeah, and yeah. I sat there and I was like, all right, you know, it goes down 14-0, and Tom had thrown an interception, led to it. Okay, you can you can kind of you know explain that away, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Bucks have the firepower to come back, but that Saints defense just tightened the screws and almost confused Tom Brady uh, the whole night, which, you know, I wouldn't expect anything less from Sean Payton, but at the end of the day, too, it's just, wow. Wow. You yeah. know how quickly you know it's a short walk from the White House to the outhouse, as it, it sounds like Trump's about to find out yeah, this right. year. But you know uh, that was just surprising to me with the Bucks. Yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, I'm with you. I mean, I think the NFC is much more wide open. You know, we, we rewind all the way back. You know, eight weeks ago, ten weeks ago, whatever it was, when we did our preseason uh, picks uh, pod here, in which you know I, I had the Seahawks as my uh, representative from the NFC uh, for the Super Bowl there, and and I still think that maybe they'll get it, but they're they're in. In a midseason low. I don't think there's any way to yeah. say it, right? So they've lost a couple of games here uh, over the last three weeks that uh, that probably they shouldn't have. But, you know, again, we, we've talked about it all along. The, the, the football gods have a way of kind of evening some things out. And so maybe they weren't quite as good uh, as what we thought they may be early on to where they were winning some shootouts uh, with the heroics of Russell Wilson. And those things have kind of come back to even some things out now. But they've, they've got a big game this weekend, uh, yep. I believe, against the Rams. And so we'll talk about that one here in a moment. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the back half. Again, you know, COVID willing, right, so we can kind of keep some of these things under control. But, you know, the NFL kind of made a, an announcement earlier this week about, you know, projecting forward about if, if there's, I guess, an uneven number of games, right, so if there's no way, to, if not every team gets to play 16 games due to cancellations and stuff uh, during the back half, you know, they might open it up and let an eighth team into the playoffs, essentially, right? So we're going to have seven no matter what. This year, and that was a rule change that uh, only the one seeds in both conferences would get a bye. But, um, you know, NFL trying to. You know, I, I guess contemplate the fact that we may have, you know, some teams may only play fourteen games when it's all said and done. Some may only have fifteen, and then some may get sixteen in. And so, trying to figure out goofy tiebreaker scenarios there, to where uh, conceivably there could be eight teams from each uh, uh, conference that make it into the playoffs. But hopefully, we get all the games in, and we can avoid that. But we'll uh, keep an eye on that in the weeks to come as it starts to uh, get a little closer to playoff time. But, uh, but, but speaking of of the NFL, making some picks. Uh, we we got we to get down to it, Chad, and we got to start with the game tonight, right? So we got Thursday night football, a little bit better game, right? So we've had some turd sandwiches here in the past few yeah. weeks, uh, but uh, uh, look, kind of excited as to this AFC South uh, game here between the Colts and the Titans, right? The two best teams in that division as it stands right now, uh, almost a pick them, Chad, which is kind of surprising yeah. to me, right? So, but I don't know, Vegas may know something here, but total here, 48 and a half. Who do you like in this one tonight?
1: I'm, I'm right there with you. It's a surprising line on the pick 'em, and you're right, whoever wins wins this game kind of has, I'm not going to say control of the AFC South, but they have the inside lane um, for the, the horse race down the stretch. Look uh, it, to me, this is a bounce back game for the Colts uh, here, but also, you know, the Titans, uh, I think two out of the last three, they've kind of dumped and it wasn't like they looked impressive in their, in their win last week. Um, I still say, I'm going to take the home team, um, especially the Titans with the, w- the way they can control the ball and, I I just like that Titan offense, and it, it's like a they're a Smash Mouth team um, that kind of takes after their head coach and Mike Vrabel, um, and I like the Titans at home.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, you know, I I don't see. I, I guess again, you know, again, the line kind of spooks me, Chad. So it's like, why, yeah, why absolutely. is, why is, why is this a pick'em, right? And so does Vegas know something here? In thir- the Thursday night games have been weird over the last few yeah. weeks, maybe the whole season. Now I'm trying to think back. I know you know the Packers. I think they they held court, you know, last week against or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Now against yep. the, 49ers. the 49ers. but the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by this game, man, because you know the Colts didn't look so hot against the Ravens this past weekend. Um, in in the fact that this is a pick'em line, so I'm probably going to stay away from this one. I think this one spooks me a little bit, but uh, I'm definitely. <laughs> Probably going to be tuning in and watching. So excited to see that game because again, two two and Colts were my preseason pick to win that division. So I guess I have a yeah. rooting interest there. But uh, yeah, that one's going to be fun to watch. But you know, let's let's jump ahead to Saturday, Chad, and talk a little bit about college football. Obviously, again, we've had games canceled left and right or postponed left and right. So the uh, the the slate of games has dwindled dramatically here over the last couple of days. But have some uh, big games still left in the uh, Big Ten uh, as it stands right now. But have to start with the surprising uh, Cinderella, I guess, perhaps of the Big Ten right now, the Indiana Hoosiers, Chad, uh, uh, traveling to Michigan State here. Indiana, a seven-and-a-half point favorite, the total 51-and-a-half. Can the Hoosiers keep it going, man? So are they going to keep this uh, Cinderella story uh, going all the way to maybe to Ohio State, right? So if they can get be yeah. undefeated playing Ohio State in a few weeks.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think they do here. I think they get the win. Um, they, they've they looked impressive all year. I think they're 3-0 and against the spread as well. Michigan State, though, scares me just because I don't know anything about them. You know, they laid the egg in the first week, and then all of a sudden, second week, come back and beat Michigan. And Indiana and, uh, or excuse me, Michigan State and Indiana both have a common opponent in in Michigan, and both beat them. Um, But, I you know, I like Indiana's, uh, you know, I like their quarterback-running-back combo that they've got going over here running that RPO system. Um, I think they get the win against Michigan State.
0: Yeah, I've, uh, Michael Penix, I think, is the uh, the quarterback. Yes. The kid they have, lefty man, real athletic kid, can move around. And like you said, they they kind of. Creates a matchup problems with kind of the uh, the RPO. Uh, I think a Wap failure is one of the uh, receivers that they have. is a pretty talented guy out on the outside as well. I, I'm with you. I, I'll, I'll take the Hoosiers in this one. I'm a believer, right? So I had Michigan yeah. last week and thought like, well, you know, I think Indiana they're they're good, right? Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're quite there yet. And and they they were the better team uh, against yeah, the uh, the Wolverines. Yeah, yeah, it like wasn't that. it wasn't a fluke. Wasn't there was close. nothing fluky about that game. And so I think Indiana is just better right now. And so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they can keep that story going uh, at least until uh, they uh, they play Ohio State and uh, you know, kind of have one of those premier matchups. Again, we thought it would be Ohio State-Penn State right in week two, but it right. uh, hadn't really panned out that way. But uh, uh, kind of have a big game for that program because they, they've been a good story, right? So following that head coach there, Tom, uh, his last name escapes me now, but seems like a genuinely good dude in building yeah. building a football program at a basketball school, Chad. We we've seen you know, KU <laughs> and North Carolina and other places. It's not it's a challenge, man. It's not, it's not not easy to do. So, uh kudos to him for what he's been able to put together there over the last few years with the Hoosier program. But um, you know, let's let's jump ahead. Notre Dame, Boston College, right the the Catholic square off here, Chad. We talked a lot about Notre Dame um, earlier in the pod here about that big win over Clemson. Is this a letdown, you know, situation here kind of look ahead game? Um, uh, Notre Dame favored by 13 and a half total here 49 and a half you know I I saw a a tweet that the last time Notre Dame knocked off a number one team which is against uh, Charlie Ward in Florida State back in I think it was 93 or 94 I can't recall the exact year now that they summarily went on the road the next week to Boston College and lost on a last second field goal so uh, your (laughs) thoughts on Notre Dame and Boston College in this one bud
1: I think you hit the nail on the head there I do look for a, uh, a letdown game here it's it seems like Notre Dame's on a high right now. They rush the field. They they're sitting pretty, pretty high up there in the catbird seat. So they thought, but I I look for a rivalry game to bring them back to square. Um, there there's just no escaping for eighteen to twenty year olds not to think that you know you're actually gods in this point and you can do no wrong. But we we also we saw Notre Dame earlier in the season only score twelve points and get a win. So yep. I. I look for Boston College to actually, hey, Notre Dame's got the target on their back, and I think Notre Dame or Boston College is going to get up for this game, and I think it's going to be closer than the experts think.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I I love Boston College in this position. Again, Notre Dame might pull the game out and they might win, but uh, this just has trap game, you know, written all over it. And sometimes, you know, that, you know people are like, well, it seems too obvious to be a trap game. It's like, well, sometimes sometimes it just that's the way it is <laughs> from <are>. the emotional. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, no, you can see them coming, and this this kind of has it written all over it. And so I'm with you. I like uh, the BC Eagles to keep this one close, close, close late into the fourth quarter so well well, let's talk about go down to sec country chad one of the games that's still on the board as of right now so fingers crossed that it stays that way Uh, but it's the surprising arkansas uh, razorbacks heading down to florida again kind of a similar situation here although florida's at home you know they come off the big win in the cocktail party over georgia this past week an impressive performance there but favored by 17 and a half the total here 60 and a half um your thoughts on hogs and gators in the sec uh, uh down in the swamp on saturday chad
1: uh, to me, the Hogs are kind of the surprise of the SEC. You know, they, they've they looked extremely competitive in every game. They just came off a win against Tennessee. I think the only one that even tripped them up a little bit, but they still ran with them quite a bit, was Texas A&M. And Texas A&M actually looks really, really good. Um, they, that might be one of those that we start looking at you know, hey, Jimbo Fisher, he's in his third or fourth year there at Texas A&M. He's got a quarterback that he's played for the last two years. Like, maybe they are a team to be reckoned with. Obviously, they, they've lost to Alabama, but they still beat Florida uh, in their matchup. But I like Arkansas here getting the points. That's a lot of points, and it's a revenge game for Felipe Franks, um, the quarterback at Arkansas. So I, I would look, to, to look hard at taking the points here
0: yeah I'm with you I I think that again if Florida's just in a position to to maybe have a letdown in Arkansas I I think Vegas and in the public maybe hasn't caught up to the fact that maybe they're a little bit better than what what we all anticipated so you might be getting a little juice a little value here I think uh, Arkansas's head coach Sam Pittman I think he tested positive for COVID uh, earlier in the week and so I don't I you know I I don't think that the the issues have kind of been running through the entire program so again this game is still on as we're recording here on Thursday morning but uh, I don't think that uh, coach Pittman will be there in person and so you know we'll see what impact that, that has on the hogs but i'm with you that's a lot of points and if i can get that hook you know on 17 right. uh, i'm going to take it and so i think florida probably wins the game but arkansas has been surprisingly good and so I, I, there's no reason to believe that uh, they won't continue to be that way um, in what is probably a letdown game uh, for Florida after that big win, but staying in the Big Ten, Chad. So again, one program that we're already disappointing in, uh, one one program we don't know much about due to COVID right. issues and two cancellations. But the uh, the Badgers of Wisconsin, a four and a half point favorite right now uh, on the road going up to Ann Arbor, the Big House, uh, to take on that disappointing Michigan squad. Total here 53-and-a-half. kind of a weird line. But again, we just I don't I don't know what Wisconsin's situation is, right? So you can't judge a whole lot off that first game, although they looked uber impressive on that Friday night. Win against Illinois a few weeks ago, but your thoughts on Badgers and Wolverines in this one?
1: That uh, again, you just you touch on the subject that you're you're kind of stealing the thunder of what I was going to talk about. For one, you don't know much about either team. Okay, Michigan might have looked like one of the most impressive teams uh, that week one, and then they've lit just like two eggs. So they've got talent, they've got it's there. I just I just worry are are they going to come back and fight for Harbaugh? Or is this the letdown that we're finally going to be so well that Michigan's just going to, hey, wipe their hands clean of Harbaugh and, and go on down the line? But again, you know, Wisconsin's quarterback Mertz is still in COVID protocol. They say he's still on track to play Saturday, but if you're in protocol, he was what? He's a true freshman, if I'm not mistaken, a true freshman or a redshirt freshman? I think he's a redshirt
0: freshman. Yeah. I think they recruited him okay. last year. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: And that scares me if he's not able to practice all week. I, I understand you're going through your meetings, you're going through Zoom meetings and whatnot, but there's just something different about putting the pads on and practicing um, than just going through mental chess uh, for these weeks. So, this this game and this line scares the, the living crap out of me. I do like the over 53 and a half points on this. I th- I I think it's going to be a running. Uh, you know, a, a running shoot em out type game um, with the offenses and Michigan's defense just isn't that good to me. So I do like the over, but the line scares the hell out of me.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned Michigan's defense being disappointing thus far. You know, I think the defensive coordinator there, Don Brown, he's come under a lot of heat. So a lot of people are kind of calling for Harbaugh to make a change there on, on that front. Assuming that Harbaugh doesn't doesn't get the uh, yeah. uh, the old boot out uh, at the end of the season, uh, his himself. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of I lean towards the Wolverines here. Chad just because this line does a look look a little bit goofy and again from the sense of you know everybody's way down on Michigan right so after those two disappointing performances uh, the last two weeks and again we just don't know a lot about Wisconsin and more importantly we don't know a lot about that QB situation in Michigan's issues to date they haven't been able to stop the pass right so they, they've been okay against the run and obviously we know that that's, that's a big part of Wisconsin's. Uh, uh, Mo there, and so I would lean towards the Wolverines in this one, and so I I, um, I think they may get it back on track. And again, Wisconsin, we we saw it, I think a few weeks ago now, Chad. We talked about it on the pod that big game in the American where Memphis went down to take on SMU, and Memphis had been out for like three weeks, and, uh, yeah. and it's like man, that it's just hard to kind of shake that rust off um especially against a, a good team and again i still think michigan is a is a better than average squad uh, despite the fact that they've stumbled out of the gate so give me the wolverines in this one but i'm with you it's it's a goofy line and a lot of questions hopefully will be answered on that one again fingers crossed that they have, they actually get to play it but um yeah. staying in the big 10 chat uh, or uh, the last game that we have on the board for college purposes kind of a surprising uh, two squads undefeated here northwestern a three and a half point favorite making the short drive down to West Lafayette to take on the Purdue boilermakers the total here 50 and a half you know I was real big on Purdue coming into the preseason uh, in the Big Ten West there just because I thought their schedule was was pretty easy um, and uh, I still think that they're they're a Overachieving perhaps would be the right way to say it, but you talk about overachievers, Pat Fitzgerald, and Northwestern, man. So that's kind of their MO as well. But who you like in this one, bud?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. So, like, uh, both teams are kind of on the cusp of being up. And, and you know, Fitzgerald at Northwestern, uh, I liken him a lot to uh, TCU and what they've been able to do. They're always a tough out, right, in the Big 12. And it's always one of those that, And they're probably not going to win the big 12 or big 10 um, on this regard, but they're going to finish in the top three and they're going to overachieve each time. Um, I do think this is one of those though, that uh, you've got a Purdue team that, you know, their, their mentality is kind of sailing high. Um, It it depends on where that hook finishes. Does it finish at three and a half or does it finish at three? Um, I I like Purdue at home. Um, I I think they're going to, they're going to show up for this one but Northwestern's always a tough out and they're always going to play play well yeah and they've they, had some ass kicking games this year
0: they have <laughs> yeah yeah that they, they've they've started the season really really well and you know they're always going to play good defense right that's kind of you know the yeah. pat fitzgerald mentality there but you know they had the indiana transfer peyton ramsey come in at quarterback mm-hmm. and, and he's he's looked very capable at and again their offense was so bad last year it's like you, you kind of figured that well they can't be any worse right there has to be some sort of marginal improvement on offense and they've been pretty good and so um i'm i'm with you i i like the hook i think this will be a close nip and tuck game i might lean towards the under here uh from a total standpoint checks i think i think purdue surprisingly has played a little bit better defense than maybe what i thought that they would again they're still without rondell moore um you know they're all everything playmaker there at wide receiver he's still out with injury but david bell has been a a, a suitable uh replacement Not, not a backup per se he's a starter as well but they've they've Really leaned on him. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I think this will be a close game. And I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this one Saturday night. So I'll be tuning in on this one uh, to watch this uh, Big Ten matchup. But let's, a few games on Sunday, Chad. Let's talk NFL. Kind of a weird slate here. we got some good games on the night games, Sunday night and Monday night, and uh, some the late afternoon games, a lot of late afternoon games this uh, this weekend. Kind of kind of weird. Uh, not a lot of noon kickoffs. But, you know, one of the noon kickoffs that's on the board here for us is the Houston Texans, plus three-and-a-half, traveling up to take on the Cleveland Browns. The total here, 49-and-a-half. You know, the Texans have obviously been disappointing, and the Browns have been Jekyll and Hyde all over the place. But uh, any, any leans or any thoughts on Texans and Browns Sunday afternoon, bud?
1: Bra- the Browns are such an enigma, right? I mean, they can explode for you know fifty-one points against Dallas or whatever it was, but then they can also only score six points against the Raiders. And I get like, there was a little bit of weather distraction. Yeah, that, win- win that, that wind, wind yeah. was crazy in that game. Wind was crazy, but you know, the Browns by all intents and purposes should beat the Texans in this. The Texans have been, I I would say, gamely in some of their in some of their losses, but their only two wins are, are to the Jaguars. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they're, they've only beat dumpster fires. Um, so I expect the Browns to come out, but you know, I don't know if the Browns have, you know, won a game by more than three and a half points all year. Um, but they certainly have the talent to sit there and be able to beat the Texans by three and a half. But it, it it, it's just a, a toss-up, right?
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's, it's, it boils down to the question, are we going to see the good Browns or the bad Browns, right? So is it good yeah. Baker Mayfield or is it bad Baker Mayfield? And so, uh, you know, I like the over in this game, Chad. I, I would lean yeah. towards the Browns as well. I don't like that hook on there right now three and a half, yeah. but uh, uh, I like the over here. I think both these squads can score a lot of points. And so, I, I, assuming that there's not crazy wind or crazy weather on Sunday afternoon, and we'll keep an eye on the weather there before we place our bets, but I think there's going to be points scored in this one. This has got a 35-31 you know, type of outcome. Come. And I do think that line is it's going to be in the ballpark because it seems like the Browns just playing close games. But uh, yeah. I would lean Browns, but I like the over in this one. But you know, let's let's talk Buccaneers and Panthers, Chad. So the NFC South again. The Bucs just got embarrassed Sunday night by oh. a divisional rival, New Orleans. Again, kind of a surprising finish or a surprising score line. Not not necessarily the result, but the way that that game panned out. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite uh, traveling up to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Total here, 50-and-a-half. The Panthers have been, you know, they haven't won a lot of games, but they've been, you know, uh, 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 sp- feisty, I guess, you know, in most of those games. But uh, is there any value on the Bucks after this big blowout uh, from Sunday night? Chad, five-and-a-half, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think there is some value just for the fact of Tom Brady. I mean, they're going to get dialed in, and they're going to come back looking strong. The problem is the Panthers have been, uh, you know, they've been – They've played great, you know, even in their losses. um, They, they, they fumbled a little bit on a Thursday night game and lost to the Falcons, but that's still a really talented Falcons team. But, you know, it's a three point loss at the saints, a two point loss at the chiefs, Um, you know, and, and before that, they had kind of won, they'd gone on a a three game winning streak right there in the, uh, the first half of the year. And at one point we're three and two. Now they're, you know, back to uh, three and six as it is, but, I I would honestly sit there and say probably I would look at the Panthers at home. I think it's going to be a hard-fought win for the Bucks. I think the Saints were able to expose a little bit of stuff, and I like Matt Rule a lot as a head coach, and I think it's one of those to where I think if, if you can get five and a half, if you can get six – maybe six and a half. I'd, I'd lean towards the Panthers on this one.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the Panthers, they're they're a scrappy team, right? And we saw that, yeah. you know, McCaffrey may be out again. I think he, he came back and then re-injured a shoulder, I think is what it was. Yeah. And so he's questionable for this game. But, you know, I, I just think that they're they're a hard out, right? So the, and the, I think the backdoor cover is in play here. And so maybe it's one of those yeah. things to where, you know, the Bucks are up 10 with two minutes to go in the game and, uh, and the Panthers get, get a touchdown and then maybe don't recover the field goal or something like that. I can see that scenario kind of playing out here, but uh, yeah, I, I think Matt Rule, he's he's going to be a good one, man. So he, we saw what he did. You know, he was at Temple, and then he moved on to Baylor, and we saw a lot of him in the Big Twelve country here over the last couple seasons, and what he was able to do at that program. I think he's just a good football coach, man. So I'm I'm kind of yeah. with you. I, I think. I, I think there's going to be a lot of people piling back on the bucks to say well that's going to be a bounce back game they're going to kick the Panthers butt and so I, I think there's there's a a little bit of a, a value there, some juice but I, I'm with you I like the Panthers but yeah. you know a, a big game Sunday afternoon Chad super excited about this one two young quarterbacks two teams that seem to be on the rise but I think the bills may be there you know before the Cardinals but the bills surprisingly they're an underdog in this one two and a half point yeah. dog at Arizona the total here 55 and a half so I think Vegas expecting a lot of points in this one from an NFL line standpoint, but your thoughts on Bills and Cards on, on the late game Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you. This is a surprising line to me that the Bills are two and a half point underdog to the Cardinals, especially after I'm not saying the Cardinals laid an egg against the Dolphins this past weekend, but they they certainly disappointed yeah. um, against the, the, the Dolphins this past weekend. Um, the Bills, for all intents and purposes, have been playing absolutely great. They had about a two-game lull there um, in the first Oh, the first half of the first fifty percent of the the season, what have you. But I like Jared Allen a lot, or excuse me, Josh Allen a ton, and he's got enough wide receivers, and he's got Zach Moss kind of behind him on that line as a rookie running. I the Bills are a, a team right now to be reckoned with in the AFC. I still think they're a year away, but I think they're they're challenging right now, and I like getting two and a half points for the Bills to go to Arizona.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. The line is, is fishy, Chad. So that's the only reason I think I would lean towards the Cardinals here is that I, I was I was shocked to kind of see that the Bills were, were a dog here. And, right, and they've played in close games, right? I mean, that, that's that been kind of one of their MOs as well is that most of their games have been close. You know, they race out to big leads and then, you know, sometimes those leads kind of, um, they let it get chipped away or the vice versa. They kind of come back after they've, they've fallen in a hole. But yeah, I, I, think, I think I like the over. I think there are going to be points in this one. I think these two quarterbacks are dynamic, right? Both of them can run, Uh, both of them uh, can can chew up rushing yards and kind of force and put a lot of pressure on defenses, and so my my best bet in this game is the over. I think there will be a lot of points in this one, and I, I would lean ever so slightly to the cards just because again the line is is spooky to me. I think Vegas is trying to trying to trying to tell us something here. I don't know, but uh, I I think it's going to be an exciting game. I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. Our uh, OU guy Kyler Murray, man, so he continues to just be a fantasy stud, man, putting up all kinds yeah. of crazy stats, even in the loss as you mentioned this past weekend against the Dolphins. A surprising. Uh, lost there perhaps, uh, but Tua he's two and zero in his two starts, so uh, they're off to a to a to a good start uh, uh, in, in the in the Tua era, I should say, uh, down in Miami. But uh, the late games, Chad. Definitely, uh, in the past, this would have been a marquee matchup. Not so much now, I think, with how the Patriots are going. But the Ravens, 7.5-point favorite at New England. The total here, 43.5. So I think uh, Vegas expecting it to be somewhat of a cagey defensive affair. But your thoughts on the Ravens and Pats, Chad, on Sunday night?
1: Seven and a half a half's a lot, especially when you're going on the road up into the northeast of New England. And, you know, I don't know if Bill Belichick's been that big of a dog in a long time. Um, so the line does seem a little bit fishy, especially after you you had, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson come out and say basically every team they played this year has been calling out their, their plays, their offensive play calls. And that's a little scary to me. Like, hey, you've got to really – really good offense, but is it a one-trick pony that people are um, figuring out right now? This, some of the smartest people in the NFL are on the defensive side. Yeah. And I look at something like that as, look, in some instances, the Ravens have underproduced this year, right? They've, they've underwhelmed. The first week they blow out Cleveland. We figure out they're Cleveland, maybe not as good as we think. But then, you know, losing to what I thought was a Steelers team that was, they were ripe for the picking. I did not I did not foresee the Ravens losing to the Steelers in the fashion that they did. So I'm a little bit fading the the Ravens here um, and I like, Bill Bill Belichick getting seven and a half points at home on Sunday Night Football.
0: I'm with you. If that hook stays on there, give me the Patriots, right? If you're going to give me that hook and and I I get the seven, the full seven points, I I like the Pats in this one. It was interesting, you know, uh, Belichick, there were some quotes from him talking about that Monday night win against the Jets to where they kind of, they had to come from behind, right? So the Jets led most of that game and kind of blew it away, or blew it at the end, but uh, he he said something along the lines of like, this is one of the most satisfying moments of my career. Like we were in a bad place, and had we lost to the Jets it would not have been been good and so kind of you know is there you know, something that the, that the troops can kind of rally around there, right? So it's like, hey, yeah. look, we, we got over the hump. We figured some things out, right? So we, you know it's all going to be uh, – uh, we're going to be heading in the right direction from this point forward, but I, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, it's easy to beat up on the Pats, right? They didn't look super great Monday night against the the Hapless Jets, and then the Ravens, you know, they had a, had a nice win against the Colts on the road uh, this past weekend. So I think you're getting some value there, but I'm with you. I, I love the Patriots. Uh, give me those points. We'll take them. But uh, uh, Monday night, Chad, old-school tradition. NFC North black and blue division right the Vikings a two and a half point favorite uh, traveling to take on the Chicago Bears total here 44 and a half but you know we talked about the Bears over the last few weeks they've they've they, I, maybe they've regressed back to the mean right? Yeah. I think the first first part of the season, right? We didn't think that they were nearly as good as what their record indicated, and, and and I think maybe it's starting to catch up with them now. Whereas the Vikes seem to be on an upward trend here; they've they've looked really really good the past few weeks. But uh, uh, any leans here? Vikes two and a half point favorite on Monday night, bud.
1: Yeah, you uh, and honestly, I look at. I look at this thing. You, you don't know who either team is kind of right. The Vikes are one of those that they disappointed in the first of the year, just like you said, but maybe coming into their own Dalvin cook looks healthy and good. Um, Adam Thielen still on the outside and Kirk Cousins is still a serviceable quarterback. I'd rather have Kirk Cousins than Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky. Um, and so, you know, it's an interdivision uh, rivalry game Vikings bears. Um, but the bears have just that offenses look absolutely horrid. So, you know, give me the Vikings minus two and a half.
0: Yep, I'm with you. I, I like the Vikes in this spot again. I think they seem to be figuring some things out, right? And you mentioned Dalvin Cook. Man, he's just been a man on a mission. I saw a stat that he was he was on pace to to be right at two thousand yards rushing. Uh, over the course of the season. So it'll be interesting to see um, if he can kind of get that mark. I think it was only six or seven players, I think, have actually rushed for 2,000 yards in a, in a season. So see if he can kind of add his name to that list, where you know might be one of the few things. It uh, wouldn't shock me if the Vikes maybe make a run here and, and get close right. to that seven seed whenever it's all said and done. And so in you know, preseason, you know, they were my pick to win that division. So I, I've, yep. I've definitely been wrong on that one, as the Packers have looked really, really good. But I, I think the Vikings are better uh, than what they showed during the first four or five games games. And I think we're starting to see that now, but I'm with you. Uh, give me the Vikes. Uh, I, I think they win maybe by seven points in this one on Monday night. But well, Chad, you know, we've kind of buried the lead here, right? It is Masters week, right? So we, we <laughs> talked about it uh, at the opening of the pod and it wouldn't be a, a BBSBC podcast if we didn't make our best bets on the biggest sports event uh, of the weekend. And obviously it's it's what's going on down in Augusta. Again, rain delay, a lightning delay this morning. I think five, uh, five groups maybe, or four groups had got it, got out, uh, on the course. And a couple of those groups had completed the first hole, but, um, the rain comes in, and so I, I think they'll they'll get back going. Hopefully, around lunchtime is what it looked like uh, from the weather reports there. But you know, give us give us some picks, Chad. So I'm gonna throw throw the odds up here, man, from a uh, a betting perspective on the Masters. But you know, obviously Bryson DeChambeau, the big favorite, at eight to one. Dustin Johnson has actually uh, matched him now. He's at eight to one as well. But who do you like? Who do you think is going to stand out? Maybe give us a couple of dark horse picks. But then, who's going to be your pick to win this thing on Sunday afternoon, Bud?
1: Absolutely, I think when I look at the dark dark horse pick, when anybody that you look at plus ten thousand or more, I look at like a Brendan Todd. I think he's around uh thirteen or fifteen um, to one, uh, you know uh thousand or, or whatever. The, there he is, plus eighteen thousand down there at the bottom, he, you know, he played so well at the start of the year and he's had such like an epic comeback of dealing with sports psychologist and, and whatnot from, you know, barely making it back on tour to winning a couple times this year and uh, leading at the end of it. Um, And so I like Brendan Todd down there at that, at those odds. Um, Another one that I've got up there that maybe it's time for this one to sneak around and maybe get their first, kind of major um i look at ricky fowler uh, you know i think he's played this course before um he hasn't had a great year as it is you know the other osu golfers uh alumni have come out and outplayed him yeah maddie wolf I,
0: in particular yeah, yeah. oh maddie
1: yeah. wolf and hovland have been fantastic uh but i look you know hovland's not in this tournament <laughs> uh, and maddie wolf has just skyrocketed to superstardom um but i look at it's someone laying in the weeds kind of like a ricky fowler he it, it just makes sense from a storyline perspective. And then the last guy I'm going to give you that's kind of a more dark horse that I don't know if he's definitely a dark horse, but I think he gets good value um, is Justin Rose um, right there at 6,500. Um, I think that guy's got more than enough talent to win this thing. And I expect him to be kind of within two or three shots coming into the final day. Um, but I still think it's someone like a, a, a Justin Thomas is to lose um, in this regard. I, I just think – when he gets his putter going and the masters is all about putting and shaping. I, I think he's hard to beat. I think DeChambeau is going to have like a sandwich sandwich into every, every green, but I don't think his putting is up there to where it needs to be to win an event like the masters. Um, I could be eating my words, but I just, I, I would rather stick my, my money on probably Justin Thomas or a, a John Rob here. If I'm, if I'm betting on putting.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, we did the, uh, the pod with uh, our guy, Jay Till, right? The you're still out golf pod on Tuesday. Tuesday night, and we, we went through the whole pod, and we we kind of mentioned it. It's like, man, we didn't even talk about John Rom. He's like number two in the world, and like the you know the third best odds and stuff. And so, you know, I saw that clip of him. Uh, I think it was on Tuesday. He skipped across the uh, the 16th there, a uh, hole in one, uh, kind of just making a trick shot across the water. And so, I don't know if that has any impact on on his uh, ability to win this thing, but uh, certainly a guy that maybe gets lost in the weeds a little bit, uh, despite the fact that he's played so well. But you know, Justin Thomas, that that was that was uh, Jonathan Till's pick as well. Chad and so I think a lot of guys kind of feel like his short game in his iron game and again the Masters is all about the second shot right so it's it's not um, you know you don't have the punishing rough that you have at the U.S. Open Um, and and so a lot of people kind of you know like Bryson DeChambeau because of that but you know it's really about hitting it to the right spots of the greens and in those guys that have the experience and have the ability uh, to place those second shots and then being able to scramble and get up and down but I'll tell you I do like your Ricky Fowler pick at 65 to 1 there plus 6500 and he's he's been a guy that's always been there on Sunday afternoon and maybe you kind of backdoored his way but you go back and look at his finishes at Augusta over the last few years and he's been he's had better finishes there than maybe even what what I I had kind of remembered It's like oh crap hell yeah. he's, he's always around the top 10 it seems like uh, every year uh, down at Augusta so I like that pick there you know I I, I like Jason Day Is my pick to win this thing, Chad, at 40-1, to one plus four thousand. He's played well
1: so so well this year.
0: Yeah, and he 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 looked really good uh, at Houston last week, right? So I think he had a top ten finish there. And seems like his game's starting to come back together. He had some injuries, kind of kept him out, and so I think he's starting to uh, come back around. And I just like the mentality, man. That that guy's such a bulldog. He's such a competitor, Um, and I think he really gets up for these major tournaments. And so I like him uh, as my winner Uh, from from the the dark horse down. I I like a guy like Paul Casey, right? At the same. Odd 65-1, to 1, kind of in that same ballpark as Ricky and, and some of the other guys that you mentioned there. Um, I think a short game uh, le- lends himself to playing well uh, at Augusta, and he's a guy who's, who's been sneaky good uh, in the few tournaments that he's played in here in 2020. So that would be a guy further down the board uh, that I think has an opportunity to challenge for this thing. And then my dark horse pick, Chad, uh, give me Francesco Molinari. And I know that you know he, he kind of returns to the scene of kind of an epic meltdown You know, at the last Masters in 2019, which, you know, we saw, you know, Tiger Woods uh, put that uh, jacket on for the fifth time, uh, and he kind of, um, um, uh, you know, I think a lot of people forget that Molinari was the leader uh, after three rounds going into that, and he had been playing really, really well in the 2018 season, uh, and and won a couple majors leading into that, but you know, I I think it's going to be maybe a story of redemption. Again, I don't know that he's going to win it, but I think he's going to play well And again, his game was kind of lost in the wilderness uh, after that kind of meltdown uh, at Augusta, a few uh, uh, or I guess last year, eighteen months ago, whatever it's been now. But I like him to come back, maybe exercise some demons here from the mental standpoint, and uh, and give me the handsome ballinary brother at uh, plus ten thousand. I I think he's I like those long shot odds there, and I think he'll play well, and I think he'll be in and around that leaderboard on Sunday. But what what you know again, hopefully. The, uh, the, the golfers get back out there and they get going again here before lunchtime in the uh, the heavens part and give us some, some good weather. I think the weather, the temperature-wise, it's going to be decent uh, in Augusta for the weekend. But uh, we can avoid some of these sh- uh, showers and, and lightning storms that pop up. But, you know, one thing to throw out there for our listeners, Chad – is that we're going to be at Chalk Saturday afternoon, right? So, so me oh, and yeah. Jay Till, and I know you're going to be there and kind of make it, make a, an appearance here and there. But uh, we're going to be posted up at Chalk doing a live pod. So the Sports Pros Network uh, will be there from noon to four on Saturday at Chalk, following the Masters coverage. So if our listeners out there come out, say hello. We got some T-shirts, we got some gift cards. We're going to give away some fun stuff, and uh, so you can uh, partake of, of the wares of Chalk there and with the gift card, um, and, uh, and and post up with us and say hello and watch the the masters action on all those TV screens uh, there at chalk so you won't you won't miss a beat I promise you they'll probably have some college football games on a couple of the side TVs as well but uh, uh, we'll be dialed in for Saturday afternoon for the masters but so I'm looking forward to seeing you up there uh, that's gonna that's gonna be fun on Saturday
1: so. It'll be a great time. So come on up, get your drinks, and uh come watch some sports with us.
0: Absolutely. Good food, good uh good atmosphere, and good uh good sports on television, right? So uh, no uh nothing lacking there. So they they hit the trifecta. So looking forward to that. But well, Chad, you know, I think we've covered the lines for this week, man. And so for our listeners, as always, right, you can follow Chad and Ben, the whole chalk team, on the web at chalkokc.com, or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Chalk And so I appreciate you joining me again, my friend. I look forward to doing it again next week. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday afternoon. Afternoon at Chalk. And while this will wrap it up for this episode, everyone, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E. Enjoy the games this weekend, enjoy the Masters this weekend, and don't forget to check your tickets, everyone. Take care and good luck.
1: Bye.